press the follow or subscribe button in your podcast app to get daily updates from the front. From the journalists of The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Claire Harvey. It's Thursday, December 8. American air, land and sea forces will rotate through Australian military bases more frequently and the US will join Australia for war games with our newest strategic partner, Japan. US Defence Secretary Lloyd Austin has promised the Americans won't let Australia be vulnerable to Chinese attack when our ageing Collins-class submarines eventually give up the ghost. Uber has to pay a mammoth $21 million fine for misleading customers on fare estimates and cancellation fees. The charges relate to trips taken between December 2017 and September last year, when customers attempted to cancel trips within Uber's free five-minute cancellation window. They were shown a misleading message suggesting they may be charged. But things could have been much worse for the ride-sharing company. The ACCC sought an additional $5 million. No one sees what's happening behind closed doors. I had to do everything I could to protect my family. When the stakes were this high, doesn't it make more sense to hear our story from us? It's the highly anticipated peek behind the royal curtains. Prince Harry and Meghan's Netflix documentary, a six-part series, starts today. So just how bad is this going to be? And how should King Charles handle it? really hard to look back on it now and go, what on earth happened? She's becoming a royal rock star. And then... Everything changed. A six-part documentary about the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, Harry and Meghan, premieres globally on Netflix today, following a long and provocative marketing campaign. The series is the product of a $100 million deal the royal couple struck following their explosive exit from the palace in early 2020. Richard Ferguson is the Australian's Chief of Staff and he joins me now. Richard, Harry and Meghan have to fund their own lifestyles now they're no longer working royals. They're being paid by Netflix and they've had to deliver something spectacular. So what is the palace fearing about this documentary the most? Claire, it may be the most damaging piece of television since Princess Diana sat down with the BBC in 1995. Well, there were three of us in this marriage, so it was a bit crowded. It is a six-part series, so um, three episodes will come out this week and then three episodes will come out next week and it is supposed to show Harry and Meghan letting everything out. It will make the Oprah interview look like a small cry. This is a whale, a six episode long, hours and hours long of Harry and Meghan crying about how hard their life is and how hard it's been made by the royals. But they've been given a huge gift by the palace in the past couple of weeks. This saga of the former lady-in-waiting to the Queen, Lady Hussey, asking what was clearly racist questions to a guest at a domestic violence function. It took me a little while to realise this is not just, you know, where are you from? Because because so many agencies are there, Mm. I said, sister's face. Where are you from? Well, we're based in Hackney. No, where are you from? 
Now, where are you really from? And this question was asked about seven or eight times. And then she said, oh, I see I'm going to have a, a, a challenge. Then you realise this is not about age. This is what we call racism. So what Lady Hussey has done has given Harry and Meghan a lot of ammo. She's provided the context for which Harry and Meghan will now ride in saying that one of the reasons that they left the royal family was because of racism. Of course, in that Oprah interview, they alluded to a member of the family questioning what colour baby Archie's skin would be when he was born. They didn't want him to be a prince or a princess, which would be different from protocol, and that he wasn't going to receive security. What? It was really hard. What do you mean? He wasn't going to receive security. So we have in tandem the conversation of he won't be given security, he's not going to be given a title, and also concerns and conversations about how dark his skin might be when he's born. What was that conversation? That conversation <laughs> I'm never going to share. Um, but at the time, at the time it was awkward. I was a bit shocked. Um, can, you, can you tell us what the question was? No, I don't, I'm not comfortable sharing that. Okay. Is it a little bit of a fizzer, though, Richard, if that turns out to have been an 83-year-old lady-in-waiting and not Camilla? Will it be a kind of a minor royal, a, a Princess Anne, a Prince Edward, a Prince Andrew, rather than, you know, Camilla or Kate? That probably will be a bit of a fizzer, but I don't think it really matters for Harry and Meghan because they remember they are selling to an American audience not a British audience they already know they've lost the British audience Meghan is an American she is very American which I think it was the main reason why she never fit in with the royal family I think was her Americanness more than anything else obviously their slightly more woke take on the world is very popular in America and they are incredibly starry they are gorgeous and articulate and they have star power and they have made William and Kate's first foray into America as the new prince and princess of Wales very, very difficult. And you have to say that they've probably won the PR war in America, which is where they're making the money. In Britain, I don't think they're really changing anybody's minds, but let's wait till we actually see the documentary. There might be plenty of fun ahead. Stay with us after the break. Why Harry and Meghan's antics are nothing new for the Windsors. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. One of the Queen's last acts as monarch was to uncharacteristically detach them from the royal family. She was absolutely brutal. The dramatic details include the Duke and Duchess will no longer be called your Royal Highness, though they will not lose the titles. 
They will spend the majority of their time in North America, something the couple did not immediately acknowledge when they first said they'd be leaving their senior royal roles. They will not be supported by taxpayers' money and will pay back the $3.1 million spent to refurbish their Windsor Castle home, Frogmore Cottage, which will remain their UK base. They wanted this kind of hybrid working model where they would be allowed to continue as senior working royals, but also you know, sign deals with Netflix and release branded merchandise. She wasn't having any of that stripped Harry of his military titles and they left for the United States. How does Charles handle it? I don't think he can handle it. And I don't think he can change that relationship, Claire. Meghan clearly has an American perception that the royals are celebrities. The royals are not celebrities. The royals are a function, a key constitutional function of the British state. They are the embodiment of the British state. They have been that way for thousands of years. I mean, they are essentially government property. You can't have human government property out there signing commercial deals internationally. They are the state. They are not a brand. And that is the problem, is that it is two worlds colliding here. At least part of their attack is going to be on the press. Have the British press brought this upon themselves in some ways, that ultimately one of these young men would grow up to be articulate and angry enough to bring it all back home, you know, revenge for the death of Diana? Yes, but I would say that it's much deeper than that than just revenge against the press and, you know, the press would have always made this happen. This is the story of the Windsors. It has always been one dutiful, slightly dull sibling and one (laughs) wild adventurous, adulterous sibling, and they are pitted against each other by the press, by the royal family, by the crown, by politics, by the Church of England. This is the story of Edward VIII, the man who married Wallace Simpson and took away the throne, and his brother who became George VI. The mounting fears of Britain and the Empire during the past few days have proved only too true. And the final chapter is written in this gigantic drama of a king and his people. And the throne passes to King Edward VIII's younger brother and his wife, whom we have known and loved for so long as their royal highnesses, the Duke and Duchess of York. To the new sovereign, King Albert I and Queen Elizabeth, and to the little lady who is now heir to the throne, long life and all happiness. This is the story of the Queen, dutiful, quite dull, and Princess Margaret, wild, wanting to marry a divorced captain and then marrying Lord Snowden, who was a bisexual photographer who got into all sorts of trouble (laughs) and then was seen having affairs with young gardeners. And this is now the story of Harry and William. It didn't quite happen quite the same with Charles's generation um, because Charles had a mixture of both his mother and his great uncle in him. You'd say that Anne is the dutiful one. But, you know... This has been part of the British royal family since it existed. I mean, they have been a warring family for all of their iterations and generations and versions. Remember, if Charles thinks he has it bad, Henry II, one of the very early kind of post-1066 kings of England when the Normans took over, was constantly trying to fend off his son, Richard the Lionheart, who was constantly raising armies against him, being supported by his mother, Eleanor of Aquitaine, poor old Henry II usually had to face off armies raised by his son and his wife. (laughs) So um, Charles is lucky that he's only got 
one son to deal with and he ain't raising much of an army. Richard Ferguson is the Australian's Chief of Staff. Thanks for joining us on The Front. You can check out Australia's best journalism anytime at theaustralian.com.au. Hey, I'm Felicity Harley and I host Healthy-ish, where we chat to experts, influencers and people in the know from around the globe to arm you with the knowledge to make healthier decisions for your mind, body and soul. I think if we're going to be focusing on health, like sleep is probably the biggest component oh, of that. I, I think sleep is the cornerstone. Like choose the harder option because I've never woken up and gone, I regret that run that I went at 4am. I've never done that. Search for Healthy-ish and Extra Healthy-ish wherever you get your podcasts.